Yeah, so I talked about this a little bit at Shift. And so I find that today, uh, our relationship with COVID has really changed our relationship with everything else. It's very interesting. So I have this running joke that every time, so I love to eat, I love to go out to eat. And so I have this joke with Anna that every time we look up a place on Yelp, if they don't call us or they're not open, we always say, oh, it's because of COVID. <laughs> we're like, oh, are they open? Like, I'm not sure anymore. They're probably closed. It's probably because of COVID. Or if something happens, we're like, oh, it's because of COVID. Or you know what you guys realized, like when I started driving again, you guys remember before when the shelter in place happened and it was like weird when I'm driving on the Bay Bridge and there's nobody driving. And then like after they released the uh, shelter in place, everyone was such a bad driver. And I was like, oh, it's probably because of COVID. <laughs> or like, you know, people like act differently now. Like, oh, how come they don't call me back? Or like, how come so-and-so never wants to hang out with me? How come when I ask to like, they want to go hiking or they want to have dinner, like they say no or they flake. And it's like, oh, it's probably because of COVID. And it's this weird thing. I don't know if it's just me, but it's like everything we blame on COVID. Like anytime something changed and it's negative, especially, we blame it on COVID. It's like, oh, it's probably because of COVID. It's probably because of COVID. But I, and then even maybe even within yourself, you know, maybe you feel like, hey, why am I so worried now? Oh, it's because of COVID. Or like, why am I so awkward in social situations now? Why can't I meet new people or meet new friends? Or like, when I stay for Connection Sunday, how come I'm so awkward? I don't know how to say hi to people. Like, oh, do I shake? No. Bump? No. Like, hug? No. Okay. And so we don't know how to act, right? And we're like, oh, we'll blame it on COVID. But you know something I realized? Is I realized we can't do that for much longer. And we shouldn't do it for much longer. And we shouldn't have even done it really in the beginning. Because I realized that it gives power and authority to COVID over your life. But I came here to tell you today that you have authority and power over your own life. And, that's, and also because God has given you that power and that authority. That he wouldn't want something like COVID to control you or to, to, to shape and influence your destiny in any way that he didn't. But also I realized that we use this excuse also when it comes to our relationship with God. We say, oh, how come I don't feel close to God anymore? Oh, it's because of COVID. How come when I pray, I don't feel the same way? I don't hear him as much anymore. Oh, it's probably because of COVID. How come when I worship, I can't worship like I used to? I used to be so free. I used to sing really loud. I used to not, be, not care what I look like. I used to jump around and scream, and now I don't. Or how come I just don't feel close to him? How come when I open the word, it doesn't say anything to me? And we just say, oh, it's because of COVID. And I'm not trying to say that I, I don't understand. I understand. <laughs> Sorry, really quick side note. I was just um, informed last week by my loving SF team that I say I understand a lot. <laughs> so I just caught myself. But seriously, I do understand. <laughs> and so but I want you to know I understand why you say that, but I want you to know, and I know it sounds really harsh, but you got to hear my heart, okay? That it's not an excuse. Because let me tell you something, would you make that excuse with any other relationship in your life? If I came up to Anna and she said, oh, you're so distant from me. You're not very nice to me. You're not very loving to me. Do you really think that if I came up to her and said, well, you know, Anna, it's because of COVID, that that's acceptable? Do you really think Anna would be like, oh, okay, you can keep being mean to me. No, that's unacceptable. <laughs> if you said that to your parents or to your friends, like, oh, why have you been around? How have you been like ghosting me? Oh, it's because of COVID. Like, do you think that that makes the relationship better? Of course not. And do we realize that we do that to God? 
I'm gonna give them that excuse. And so I'm not trying to come down hard on you, but I want you to know that that's not a good enough reason. That we have to look deeper inside of ourselves and actually realize what's happening and what is putting a distance between us and God. And I wanna get into that today. And I want you to know my heart. My heart is not to make you feel guilty and bad, but my heart is to show you what it is so you can identify it. Then you can fix it. But if you don't know that it's there, you'll keep blaming it on COVID. But you know what COVID did? All COVID did was stir up what's deep inside of our hearts and it rose to the top. But we can't keep blaming it on COVID. It could have been anything else. It could have been any other change in your life. Any other hardship that would have come in would have had the same effect. All COVID did was do it to all of us at the same time. So I want to get into it. All right, guys? So I want to take you to a story in the Bible. It's in Joshua chapter 2. And it's a very powerful, actually it's in Judges chapter 2, excuse me. It's a very powerful scene because there's a transition between two things. Aren't we in transition? It's the same thing, right? And the Israelites, they just came into the promised land. So I'll tell you the quick story real quick. So you know Moses, right? Burning bush. He goes into Egypt. He saves them. Yay. They go through the Red Sea. They go into the desert. Oh no. And then God is mad and God gets angry at them and they wait 40 years. Now they come out. So it's happy, right? Moses, unfortunately, has to stay and he passes away in the desert. Then his servant, his number one in command, Joshua, takes over. And I love Joshua. I have so much respect for Joshua. Joshua is actually one of the few people in the Bible from start to finish was obedient and faithful to God. Many of our heroes of the Bible aren't even like Joshua. Do you know that David did not end well? David ended very poorly in his life. Solomon, Solomon did not end well. He ended very poorly in his life. Even Moses, he struck the rock and that's why he wasn't allowed in. He ended very poorly. But Joshua, he ended well. And so let's fast forward. Joshua is the, he's the commander. He leads the Israelites. You know the story of Jericho, right? They march around seven times. The walls fall down. Yay, right? And then he leads the rest of the nation to conquer all the people. And they have peace and prosperity in the land. And there's rest. And so now Joshua's at the end of his life. And the Israelites are happy. Everything is going well. But he warns them. He says, you have to remember the Lord. and Do not forget. Because if you, do, if you forget and the presence of God leaves, his protection and his favor will leave. You have to remain faithful to him. And of course, they don't listen to him. And what happens between Josh, the end of Joshua and the beginning of Judges is very important because in Judges is what I would argue is the worst season of their life. The Israelites had the worst season of their lives. And it ends with a horrific scene. I don't even want to talk about it but the most horrific things happen in Judges. And so the question is, how did it all go wrong so quickly? How did it happen right after Joshua, who was a great leader, and then all of a sudden after he passed away, everything fell apart? What happened? And I want to go into the three things that the Israelites did that caused this division between them and God. All right, so let's go to Joshua chapter 2. And in verse 10, it says, And all that generation... Joshua's generation, and all that generation, did I say Joshua? It's Judges. You know why I said Joshua? Because it's written in this Joshua on the top of my notes. Let's change that. So Judges, chapter 2, verse 10. And it says, and, out, and all that generation, Joshua's generation, who were gathered to their fathers, also were gathered to their fathers. And there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work that he had done 
for Israel. Did you catch that? I'll read that last line again. And another generation arose after them who did not know the Lord or the work that he had done for Israel. Do you realize what happened in that first step? The first thing that happens is when you forget. When you forget God, that creates distance in any relationship. But not only did they forget God, they forgot who he was and what he did. Those two things are very important. They're separate. They're not the same. So let's get into it. The first thing is that we tend to forget what God does for us. Isn't that like us all the time? Isn't that like us all the time? I want to speak to the quote unquote, the Christians in the room, right? Especially you, you have no excuse, right? God has done so much for you. He's changed your life. You call him Lord. He does miracles in your life. I know he has, but we forget so easily, don't we? We're a prisoner of the moment. We're the prisoner of the present. God could have done a miracle for us last year, and then this year could be a horrible year, and you'll say, God, why have you forsaken me? Can I be serious with you? That's ridiculous. <laughs> God has been so faithful. And if you stop for just this moment and just think about your entire life, can you not think of all the things that he's done for you? But we forget. We forget. And I'm a prisoner of that too. I mean, come on, even in school, I'm so bad. <laughs> I've just graduated in May. It's only what? It's only September now. That's like four months. I've forgotten a lot of stuff I learned. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> it's hard to remember. But I'm not saying you have to remember, but you have to create a system where you will constantly remember. It's not going to happen unless you're intentional about it. Does that make sense? No one memorizes things by accident, <laughs> but you remember when you're intentional. So can I tell you today, God's asking you to be intentional to remember. Write it down. Write it in a special journal, not your regular one. Make, make it into a special one. Did you know that Bill Johnson, he actually keeps a journal of all the prophetic words that were prayed over him so that when he's discouraged, he takes it out and he reads it. That's remembering. Take, make a special journal for encouragement, a special one of, for victories, and say, when I forget, I'm going to grab this one in particular and read this one just for that purpose. Okay? Now I'm going to speak to the ones who don't know God. Maybe you're here and you don't know God. That's okay. I'm actually glad you're here. And so you might be like, Jeremy, how can I forget God? He hasn't done anything for me. I don't know who, who this God is. Can I challenge that for a second? If you think in your life, what you have in your life, how much of it really is yours? And how, many, how much of it did you really grab and earn for yourself? Not very much, if you really are honest with yourself. Even your schooling and your education and your job, I'm not saying you didn't earn that, but even your right to earn it was given to you by God. Even your opportunity and the resource and even the situation in which you could craft and work on your skills was given to you by God. Because don't you know in other countries, seriously, they don't even have that opportunity. Even in Afghanistan right now, that opportunity was ripped away from women. It's not a given. It's not a given that you go to a good school. It's not a given that you get free education. It's not a given that you even have a household where it's calm enough for you to study every day. And maybe some of you didn't have that. And I shouldn't even be that insensitive to say that. Some of you might have had a really difficult family life when, a ch when you were a child and it wasn't easy to focus on school. You were worried about something else. I know stories where people had to take care of their little brother and little sister, and they were in high school, but their little brother and little sister was in grade school. And maybe you had to grow up fast, but that wasn't your choice. 
I get that. And so a lot of things that we assume are ours, it's not ours, it's from God. That every good and perfect gift comes from him. So even if you don't know him, I think deep inside all of us know I'm a beneficiary of things that I didn't have to get for myself. It was given to me. And I want you to know that came from a loving God. Yeah? Second thing, they forgot who he was. So it's not what he did, who he was. How do you forget who someone is? Isn't that interesting? How do you forget who someone is? I have a confession to make with you. I'm really bad at keeping friendships with people that I move away from. <laughs> I'm really, really bad at it. Like, I'm horrible. I've met some amazing people in my life, and that's one of my biggest regrets. I met people at UOP in Stockton, and I didn't keep up with them. You know how you forget someone? It's when you don't spend time with them. It's when you don't make regular contact with them. That's how you, how to, that's how you forget who someone is. It's when you don't constantly interact with them. And when I say constantly, I'm not saying like every day, but at least some regular interval. But when you forget to do that, you forget that person. You know, when, when me and Anna got married and we moved out and had our own, our own place, right? I, had to, I realized that I actually had to be intentional about keeping in contact with my parents because they're not in the same house anymore. I forgot who they were. There was a long time when I didn't see them. I'd only see them like Christmas and Thanksgiving. You forget. You forget the little things that make your parents unique. I forgot about how much my dad is like a kid. He loves to play. I forgot how loving and nurturing my mom is. You forget those things because you're not around them. Yeah, you forget who they are. And then you know what the worst part is? You define them by the last interaction instead. Come on, I need to say that again. So when you're not regularly with them and you don't see them in a good light, in, a, in the totality of who they are over time, when you make a long break and you see them one time and let's say it's a bad experience, then that's the only thing you remember about them, huh? And then now you define them based on that. Isn't that what we do to God? We don't spend time with God regularly. Then we're in a bind. Oh, God, I need you. <laughs> we cry out. God's not there. Psh, I thought you were faithful. <laughs> I thought you were here. Then we define him on that one experience instead of who he is in totality. That's how you forget. That's how you forget who God is. And that's how you forget who other people are too. So I want you to know, you have to have constant, regular contact with God, with Jesus. And I know I'm always the guy telling you to read your Bible, but I'm telling you, that's why I tell it to you. <laughs> because if you don't regularly spend time with him, you're gonna forget who he is. And can I tell you one more thing that you need to know about reading the Bible? I think that there's too much of an emphasis on learning something new. Every time I read the Bible, I want to learn something new. You know, I went through that phase. God, I want revelation when I read this. I want to, I want to see something I've never seen before. Can I tell you something? I think that that is a good thing to pray for. But I think if that's the only thing you ask for when you read the Bible, you miss the point. Because we're so forgetful like, stop acting like you can't use a good reminder. <laughs> like, stop acting like you don't need a reminder that he's good. Like, stop acting like you don't need a reminder that he's near to you. Like, stop acting like you don't need a reminder that he hears your prayer, even if he didn't answer it. Stop acting like you don't need a reminder that he's faithful. And that he's the faithful one. And that maybe it's you that's the unfaithful one. But we walk around acting like we're so smart that every time we open the Bible, I need to learn something new. 
Why can't you just appreciate what the word is on that day, on that chapter that you're chosen to read and say, you know, even if I know it, thank God I'm reminded of it because I can't forget. See, that mentality causes you to forget. And we end up right where the Israelites were. And maybe that's what happened to them. Oh God, I know you. Oh God, I oh yeah. You know, can you imagine like their law was literally their law. Like the Bible was literally their law. They probably took it for granted. Oh yeah, I know what it says. Oh, blah, 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 blah. I don't need to read it. It's not teaching me anything new. I already memorized it. They actually literally had to memorize it. They forced their kids to memorize it. They're like, yeah, yeah, whatever, whatever, whatever. And then you forget. Yeah, I want to challenge you. The next time you open your Bible, don't ask for a new revelation. Ask for a good reminder. Second one, second thing that happened, disobedience. All right, let's get into it. First chapter, Judges chapter 2, verse 1 to 2. Now the angel of the Lord went up from Gilgal to Boshim, and he said to them, I brought you up from Egypt, and I brought you into the land that I swore to give to your fathers. I said, I will never, listen, listen to God's promise. This is so powerful. He says, I will never break my covenant with you. He said, I will never break my covenant with you. And you shall make no covenant with the inhabitants of this land, and you shall break down their altars. But you have not obeyed my voice. What is this you have done? Disobedience. Disobedience. Disobedience is the second thing that causes separation between us and God. But I want to put a caveat to that. I'm not saying it's about doing right and wrong. Because when you hear that word, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, oh, if I even make one mistake, if I even do one thing wrong, that's disobedience. I'm not saying that. That's actually not even true of what the scriptures bear witness to. Disobedience is a state of your heart. It's not a scoreboard, okay? Because think about it. Why would God then in Leviticus have all these laws that would make up for that? There's all these sacrifices that if you make a mistake, you just come and give a sacrifice and say, Lord, I'm sorry, forgive me. He had a whole system in place for that. God's not worried about that. Disobedience is not a mistake or disobedience is not one shortcoming, not one sin. Disobedience is a state of your heart. It's stubbornness is the better word. It's when you continually to refuse to do what God told you to do. It's like, uh, should, should I use this example? Okay. It's like, it's like my, my sister, when my mom asked her to clean her room and she didn't do it. And then my mom came back again and said, can you clean your room? And she didn't do it. And she came back again and she asked her and she didn't do it. I won't tell you how long it took her to clean her room. But that's what I mean. That's what stubbornness is. That's disobedience. That's disobedience. Do you know how long God gave the Israelites to obey him and take over the land and remove the foreign gods? It was basically Joshua's entire lifetime. It's a long time. He came after Joshua died. He didn't come the next week and was like, uh, TikTok, uh. He gave them 40, 50 years after Joshua died. Then he came and was like, what are y'all doing? God is very patient. When I say disobedience, it's not because you didn't read your Bible once. <laughs> God's not standing over you, waiting at the door like, okay, you didn't do it today. He's talking about a, a posture, a continual state of your heart where you're like, no, nah, I'm not going to do it. Next day, God's like, hey, come. Nope, not going to do it. Next day, he says, hey, come. Nope, not going to do it. It's a posture. It's a stubbornness. It's like, I'm not going to listen to you, God. And I told you, I'm not going to listen. I told you I wasn't going to do that. That's disobedience. Don't get it twisted. 
So it's not about counting right and wrong, but it's about your heart, that when God asks you to do something, how willing are you to do it? But God is so patient. But it's a stubbornness that we're unwilling to listen to him. And isn't this like in every relationship? What do, you, like, what do we think is going to happen in that relationship? Like if, 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 if my wife asks me to do something and I say no, okay, but if she continually asks me to do it, I continually say no, what do you think is going to happen to our relationship? Of course there's going to be distance. Of course that relationship is fractured. And I want you to know this is not about like submission. Like I don't want to get into that. I'm not telling you to like submit to whatever anyone tells you in order to make that relationship good. That's not what I'm trying to say. But what I'm trying to say is that when there is an interaction between two people in a relationship and the person that you love is asking something of you, when you constantly refuse that, it hurts the relationship. There's no way about it. There's, there's, no, there's no two ways about it. It's the truth. It doesn't matter what you think. That's the truth. Whether it's your parents, whether it's your siblings, whether it's your friends, whether it's your spouse, it doesn't matter. And especially with God. So it's not about obedience. Like, oh, I got to do what you say. It's about relationship. When you're stubborn in a relationship, there's no, there's no flow of love and there's no growth. You're stopping it right there. In the same way that you're saying, I'm putting my foot in the sand and I will not do this, you're also putting your foot in the sand of how much further you're going to go in that relationship. And we do that to God all the time. And so I'm asking you today, if you look into your heart right now, what in your life do you know that God's been asking you to do and you're refusing to do it? And I can't say what that is for you. But we use COVID as an excuse then, right? Oh, I'm supposed to see my parents. Oh, it's COVID, can't. But then, but then later on on your Instagram, you're out with your friends. Come on, let's be real. Or, you know, you don't want to come to service, whoever's listening to this recording. But I saw you out last night late at a bar with your mask off. But you tell me, oh, you don't want to be in a room where everyone's singing to God with their mask off or their mask on. Right? I'm just saying, right? Stubbornness. Right? Oh, I don't want to pray, God. I can't pray right now. You blame it on COVID. Stubbornness. Right? Oh, I can't, I can't, I can't help out. I'm too busy. Stubbornness. 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 But only God can tell you what that is. But I want you to, t- I want you to know something. It's not about you doing the thing. It's about you saying, God, I just want our hearts to be one. And if you're asking me to do this, and I know you love me, then I'll do it because I want to restore relationship. It's more than just doing what he's asking you to do. But how we take it, but see, this is the fruit of us forgetting. We use this as an excuse. The disobedience is the product of already the separation. It just makes it worse. So the, the remedy is not to just do what he says. The remedy is to go back and fall in love. And then you obey. Does that make sense, guys? It's not just to do it again. Not just to do what he says. The disobedience is a product of the fractured relationship. And it only makes it wider and wider. So do you guys see the progression? You forget. When, when, you, when you forget somebody, it's easy to disobey them. There's already distance. And it just gets wider and wider and wider. Then you're stubborn. You don't care. Of course, I'm not going to 
do what someone asks of me that I don't care about them. If I don't care about you, I'm not going to do what you ask of me. So then what's the third level? We're getting further and further away now, right? Third level is unfaithfulness. Unfaithfulness. So let's read it. It's in the same chapter, Judges 2, but now it's verse 11 and thir- 11 to 13. And this is what the word says. And the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals. And they abandoned the Lord, the God of their fathers, who brought them out of the land of Egypt. They went after other gods from among the gods of the peoples who were around them. And they bowed down to them. And they provoked the Lord to anger. They abandoned the Lord and they served the Baals and the Ashtaroth. And their Ashtaroth. Okay? Unfaithfulness is the last step. Do I see the progression? You forget, not spending time with you. Oh, who are you again? Oh, yeah, okay. Did you do anything for me? No, not really. What'd you do for me again? Okay, not that important. We minimize, we minimize, we minimize. Then we don't care to do what they say. Oh, not, not that important. Not going to listen. And then you know what happens? You know what the last step is? The last product of all that? I think you guys know. In a fractured relationship, now there's no love. And when you don't love that person... I tell you right now, unfaithfulness is right around the corner. When you don't love that person, there's no more commitment. There's no more need to be committed because I love something else and I love someone else. And that's exactly what Israel did to God. They forgot, they forgot, they forgot. What's your command again? Not important, didn't do it. Oh, something over here. This seems much more important. This seems much more interesting. Now, because I don't care, I don't know, I don't remember, I don't care, now I don't love. And now, God, I love something else. Isn't that just like us? And I tell you something, you might be like, Jeremy, you're too extreme. That's what Anna says to me sometimes. Like, you have no chill. You're right, I have no chill. I've come to accept it. I'm not going to tell people, oh, I am chill. All right, I'm not chill. I have no chill, okay? Because this is serious, (laughs) Okay, I have no chill because I'm telling you the truth right now. You're like, Jeremy, you're so, you're so intense. I'm not worshiping other gods. Like, what are you talking about? Like, yeah, okay, maybe I didn't read my Bible as much as I should have the last year, whatever. Like, I'm not worshiping other gods. Like, what are you talking about? Like, I'm not like committing idolatry and like doing these weird rituals. I get it, I get it, okay? But I want you to know something. It's not about that. It's about what you love. See, you worship what you love. You worship what's important to you. <laughs> it's not about worship. See, God used worship as, 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 as the medium because that's how we show God love. Does that make sense? The worship showed that they loved God. So when they worshiped another God, it showed that they loved another God. Yes, worship is in the context of religion. Yes, that's how you show love in context to religion. But do you realize that you do something else when you love other things in other areas of your life more than God? It's not called worship. I don't know. It's called priority that's why we love to use that word. You do other things. But let me tell you something. You can only love one thing completely faithfully. Stay with me. I know what you're about to say. Just hold on a second, okay? You can only love one thing unconditionally. You can only serve one master. Because at some point when Master A and Master B, I was going to say Master P, when Master A and Master B don't agree, something has to give doesn't matter. That's just logic. You cannot love two things equally. Only one can be up here, period. That's the end of the story. That's why Jesus said, if you don't love me more than your father, your mother, your brother, your sisters, you don't love me. 
you have no place in the kingdom of God. He wasn't saying don't love them, but he's saying, I have to be here. But thank God we serve a God who commands us to love others as he loves us. But he's still up here. So my, my challenge to you is not that you're worshiping other things, but it's honest and you need to be honest with yourself. What do you love more than God right now? And how do you know? It's easy. When you're in love, it's easy to tell. When you love something, it's easy to tell. You spend all your time thinking about it. You spend all your time talking about it. You spend all your energy on it and you spend all your money on it. It's very easy to tell what you love. It's very easy to tell what you worship. It's not that hard. But we make excuses for it, don't we? Oh, my career, it's important. Yeah, your career is important. Is it more important than God? I don't know. You should decide. Oh, my family is important. That one's always hard. I hate that. But it's the truth. Oh, my spouse is important. Yes, your spouse is important. My health is important. Yes, your health is important. My financial safety and security is important. Yes, that's important. My future is important. Yes, your future is important. I'm not saying that you don't care about those things. But do you realize what happens when we push God away? You fall in love with that instead. Oh, God, you know, um, I really wanted to come to church. I really know it's important, but I really got to work on my resume. Okay. Oh, uh, you know, I really have to work on some, some, some things for work. I know I should have gotten it done during the week, but I didn't, so I got to do it on Sunday. Oh, you know, I think I really need to spend time with my family. Oh, I think I really need to fill in the blank. Can I tell you something? I'm not trying to come down hard on you. That's not the point. But what I'm saying is that you make time for what's important, plain and simple. Don't you? Can I make a confession to you? I love sneakers. <laughs> Why y'all clapping? I love, I love sneakers. And I love sneakers so much that there was a time when I literally bought them and I never wore them. I literally bought them and I had stacks and stacks and stacks of sneakers that were completely dead stock, like not touched for over 10 years. Like the pair that I'm wearing right now was bought by my very good friends when I was in college. So I just, I just dated myself, but that's okay. <laughs> I had these shoes since 2000 and like 2009 or 2008 and I never wore them. I just kept them and I loved them so much. I would take them out of the box. I would take out the paper. I would put them in a Ziploc bag, those big jumbo size hefty bags. I would put desiccants inside to keep them fresh. And I, would, and I would close it and I would zip it and I would squeeze out all the air and then zip the last part. And I would stick it back in the box and I would cover it with the paper so there'd be no light. No light, no moisture. That's a tip. That's how you just keep your shoes fresh. I wrap it up back in, the, back in the paper, close the lid and I would stick it in the back of my closet. And then every so often, I would just come and look at all of them. I'd open them really for like a little bit and look at it and be like, wow, so fresh, so clean. Just put, it, put, it, put the lid back on, stick it back inside. I'm so serious. I'm so serious. You guys are laughing. I'm so serious. I did not wear my shoes. And then there was one day after I got married, and Anna saw all the shoes that I brought to our house when we got married. And she was like, I didn't know you had all those shoes. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's like, how come you never wear them? And I was like, oh, you know, like, I don't know. Like, maybe I'll wear them in the future. I just, I just like them too much. I don't really want to wear them. And then she was like, so you just look at them? And I'm like, yeah. Like, it's like collectors. Like, these are, like, rare. Like, you don't, and I was like, you don't understand. <laughs> and then she was like, 
Like, she's like, she was like, let me get this straight. You have a bunch of shoes for many years and you don't wear them and you're not, and you don't know when you're going to wear them. And it was so funny. You know what she said to me? It, was, it started off as a joke, but she was like, she's like, she's like, do you worship them? She was like, it's like, isn't that idolatry? And I was like, no. But you know what? When I really thought about it, I spent a lot of time getting them. I stood outside ceremony for those, these are my OGs before all the online raffles. You had to get up at 2 a.m., stand outside in the back parking lot of ceremony, and then the guy from Foot Locker would come out at 6 a.m., and he had these little wristbands, and he would pass them out to you first come, first serve. But we stopped doing that because people got crazy and people literally got killed. So we stopped doing that. But that's a lot of time, isn't it? <laughs> I, I'm gonna be honest with you, I didn't wake up at 2 a.m. for church ever. Stand outside and wait for worship service. <laughs> Waiting for PB to open the door. I'm here, PB. Open the door. Never ever did that. Never did so much research about which, which, which shoe store would have the highest amount of stock so I'd have the greatest chance of getting my size. Spent a lot of time. Spent a lot of money. You know how much money I spent on shoes? I spent so much money on shoes that during COVID, when we didn't have rent, I sold my shoes. But I had to because God was telling me, that's idolatry. He's like, you don't got money to pay your rent, but you got X amount of dollars sitting in the back of your closet in hefty bags. You better sell those and get your priorities right. So I sold my shoes. That's idolatry, man. I'll tell you that right now. I loved my shoes. I love them. I still love them, but I don't love them more than God anymore. But I, I, I loved them too much. And I give you that funny example. I know it's funny, right? But in all seriousness, right? There's something in your life that you just love so much. And sometimes it's not a bad thing. Like this is not like, this is not like a, like, this is not like a demon, right? Like it's not, it's not bad, but it's not the best. When you fall in love with something that's not the best, you're committing and submitting yourself to something that will never love you back the way that God can. It's not the best it's not the best thing. Do you, know, do you know what Baal and Asheroth represented? Baal was the god of rain and thunder. He brought rain. So as Israelites are an agrarian society, they care about that. That's their livelihood. That's why they worshiped him. Think about it. Do you know what Asheroth was? She was a goddess of fertility. It's the same thing. Isn't that what we want? Family, future, Big family, they prayed to her for a reason because they, they cared about their prosperity, how many kids they had. There's a reason why these caused them to stumble. Isn't that the same thing as us? Don't we worship something similar to Baal and something similar to Asheroth? We, human nature, guys, there's nothing new under the sun. We're all the same. We always care about the same thing. We care about financial stability and we care about our prosperity. But I came here to tell you today that God will give you all of that and more but he's looking about a covenant relationship. So I'm about to land this plane. We talked about these three things. Hey, Chaz, can you play still? Even though your string's broken? Cool, man. I appreciate you. I love Chaz. He drives all the way from Fresno, California to be here. Do you know what time he woke up this morning? He woke up at 4 a.m. to be here. That's love. That's love. But I want you guys to know, I don't want you guys to get lost in all of this. Yes, I'm telling you what's putting distance between us and God, but I want you to know the goal now. 
The goal is covenant relationship. Do you hear what God said? God, do you remember that angel when I told you what he said? He said, I brought you up out of the land of Egypt and I, that I swore to your fathers. And I said, I will never break my covenant with you. That's what's at stake right now, guys. God wants relationship with you. He loves you. And he's so serious about it. He makes a covenant with you. That's like marriage. He's saying, I want to love you like that. That's why Jesus calls us his bride. That's what God wants this morning. And he's saying, don't break this relationship with me. Don't distance from me. Even if it's COVID, I know it's hard. I know it's not easy. I understand. But God is saying, love conquers that. And he's saying, come back to me. I still love you. I will never break my covenant with you. But the real question is, are you walking away from him? And so in this moment, this morning, just close your eyes. Just begin to pray right now. And to begin for yourself, only you will know which of the three you need to work on. And so are you forgetting God? Are you forgetting who he is? Are you forgetting what he's done for you? Have you forgotten him because you haven't seen him in a long time? Just like me, I'm horrible at keeping my friendships with people <laughs> that I don't see out of sight, out of mind. Is that how you treat God? Did you forget all that he's done for you? Did you forget how much he loves you? How much he sings over you? How he's a good, good father? How he died for you? How he gave up everything to make a way for you to be with him? And then maybe all you need to do is just spend a little more time with him so you can remind yourself of who he is. Or maybe you're stubborn about something and you got mad at God. Maybe something happened and you're like, God, I don't want to do that. That's hard. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. You, what you're asking of me is too difficult. And so you just ignored God. And you just walked away because you're like, you know what, God? You just keep wanting me to do this thing. I don't want to do it. And you just created separation because you're stubborn. And you're like, God, I don't want to do that. I told you no. But do you realize that when you did that, you hardened your heart to him? And it's not as simple as saying, no, I don't want to do that anymore. But you also said, whether you realize it or not, I love myself more than you. I love me more than you. So stop asking me to do that. But in this moment, that you begin to pray over yourself right now, God, can you soften my heart again? Can you restore the love that I had for you? I'm sorry that I was so stubborn. Can we just talk about it? I, 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 I don't want to say no right away anymore, God. I'm opening my heart to hear what you have to say. I'm opening my heart, God. I'm trying. It's difficult. I don't want to do it. But God, I'm opening my heart to what you're asking me. But God, I need you to soften my heart first. I need you to soften my heart first, God. I'm sorry. Help me to love you again. And lastly, maybe you've been unfaithful. Maybe you just fell in love with something else. Maybe you fell in love with your comfort. I don't want to get up. I don't want to go anywhere. I don't want to do that. Maybe you fell in love with your security. Hey, it's, it's, it, there's a risk. There's a risk if I go outside. There's a risk if I come to church. There's a risk if I come into a room full of people. There's a risk, God. I don't want to do that. I love that too much. I don't know what you fell in love with, but maybe if you search your heart right now and you realize, man, I love this more than you, God, and I'm sorry. I spend more time thinking about this than you, God. I spend more energy on this than you, God. I spend more of my resources on this than you, God. I spend more of my money on this than on you, God. I'm sorry. I'm more faithful and loyal to this than you, God. I'm sorry. Would you help me, God? I'm sorry. Would you forgive me, Lord? I'm sorry. 
that I let this come between us and our relationship because I know that you would never let that happen between us and that you told me that you would never break covenant. Mm. Mm. So I'm going to just give us a little bit of time. I mean, Chaz can lead us in a, in, in a song. But I just want you to begin to take that thing that's caused distance, distance between you and God and just repent from that and just ask God for forgiveness and say, I'm sorry, God. Because wouldn't we do that in any other relationship? If we hurt someone that we loved, wouldn't we do that for somebody else? And say, hey, I'm so sorry. I've been so forgetful. Hey, I'm so sorry that I've been so stubborn towards you. I'm so sorry that I've been so unfaithful to you. Wouldn't we do that to anyone else that we love? So in this moment right now, can you just say to God, I'm sorry, Lord. Would you forgive me that I've let this come between us, God? But today, I don't want that anymore. And I'm going to turn away from that, God. I'm going to choose to remember, God. I'm going to choose to obey out of love, God. And I'm going to choose to love you again, God. Come on, let's just give him our best right now. Let's just worship him right now.